0: Hi, welcome to today's episode of Speak Greasy at Max Street Kitchen where we talk to chefs who delighted us with their food right here in this kitchen. My guest today is Chef Luke Robinson who started his career at Jamie Oliver's 15 and went on to work at the Fat Duck, Nobu and most recently helmed the kitchen of Evelyn's table in London. Now he's actually spending time with us right here in Mumbai at the table and you can enjoy his food uh, at the restaurant. So, you know, we were just talking about your, uh, you know, I asked you where you went to culinary school and uh, you started telling me about your experience with 15. So um, I think that was your real culinary education more than, you know, the the formal sort of school that you went to. So tell us a
1: little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. So like I kind of worked a bit as a chef before getting onto the course. So the course took like 15 people, which is why it was called 15 a year um and at the time when i applied there's it was thousands of people that applied so i was quite lucky to get into it and um yeah it's just such a in-depth kind of um immersion into so 15 is a
0: restaurant um format but it basically has chefs who are going through a kind of training program in a way is that fair to say and uh you know before we sort of talk a little bit more about that experience because i think it's such an interesting um, way of you know they always say like on the job experience is the yes. best and this is kind of what you had but just sort of uh rewinding a little bit you know what prompted you to get into the culinary space
1: well i get in trouble when i the reason, the
0: reason, okay I... all the more nice no, 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 no.
1: <laughs> no, i i upset my mom a bit um so my mom wasn't fantastic at cooking
0: oh okay <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we won't be sending this to her then <laughs> to watch <laughs>
1: But I did have a, like a background of people that cooked in the family. So, you know, my mom cooked some things really well, don't get me wrong. But I think because they were both so busy, like both of them worked full time. So my mom was kind of just like, shh, shh," I'm just chuck it out, you know? (laughs) So food was a thing that was like, it wasn't that important in our house when I was growing up. But when I went to see my uncle or my grandma, they really like cared about food. And, you know, my grandma would spend like the whole weekend cooking 25 courses of different things for like way too much food and yeah like
0: so it came out of survival more than anything else <laughs> yeah
1: so I have to phrase it nicely because yeah. she does get she will get upset I'm not saying that in a way like she was just too busy but when I saw that side of things and it was like really caring about food uh and it or not caring but it being more important than anything else then that's kind of what I realized how important. Going back to,
0: you know, your experience at 15, I remember actually when uh, it started because I was living in London and the idea of of a restaurant being sort of run by um, young chefs uh, was very interesting. and, uh, And I know like a lot of people were sort of almost invited to kind of help chefs get yeah. that experience even though they were paying for their meals yeah. uh so yeah. it was just a very new concept mm-hmm. and you know you mentioned there was a really hard program to get into yeah uh what was the process like
1: it was a lot actually yeah so my girlfriend at the time her dad was a labor activist and he knew about it and he actually told me ah you should try and apply for this so you know i sent a letter off and uh yeah i i, I, I might get the figure slightly wrong but i think about fifty thousand people uh applied because it it was the first few years later it got much less but yeah it was about fifty thousand people so i had to go for two interviews uh where they decided you know if they liked me or not i guess or you know if they they had quite a particular way of trying to build this group that would work well together so there was lots of people from different walks of life and different backgrounds right and then once you got through that process we actually got sent to wales and like a team building weekend where we had to like do kind of a big piss (laughs) up yeah well no it wasn't actually no well we did a little bit but jamie was there and we cooked and we uh we had to do loads of crazy things like build bridges and out of bits of wood and climb up some of the because the army trained there you know this area
0: well i guess i mean it's so important that the team gels and you know work seamlessly together but what was that so what were you there was everyone there for like a year uh, you know, what was the sort of program format?
1: So it was like 18 months, yeah. the total. What they did is they kind of used the college to give the qualification, but the, the training was done working in the restaurant. So there was a team of chefs that worked there full time. And then all the guys who were training, um, like in any restaurant, you kind of join whichever section and move around. And then the guys there are training you on the job. Um, and yeah, there was lots of events and, and, and outside things going on as well, because it was Jamie, you know, he had a big media profile. Um, and then in addition to that, we did loads of different things. So we got centre to work as a butcher, as a baker. And these are like quite long-term processes. So like a couple of months doing each thing. So, yeah, was this within the restaurant or this was- This is outside in, yeah. So I worked at Alan's Butchers in Mayfair, which is like one of the, the oldest institutions. It's actually now closed, but this is from like Victorian era. You know, it's been there the whole time. So, they had a cutting block, this massive piece of oak, and every day they put salt and scrub it with like a wire brush. So, this piece of wood or the, t- the central table was like this, and then there's like a dip, like, you know, because it had been there for. Been like, scrubbed uh, quite a lot. Yeah, just a little bit. What happened with those placements was interesting because at the beginning they didn't trust you, you know? So, they were like, who's this guy? So you what, can watch. Well, no, worse than that. It's like, go and fetch, you know. <laughs> hind core of beef from, from downstairs. No, 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 carrying bits of meat up the stairs wow. from 4am, like big bits of meat. And then they would let you do things like chicken legs and duck legs. And then when they saw you could actually do some things then they'd let you, you know. So by the end I was doing racks of lamb and uh, beef fillet. And...
0: Wow, and you, you talked about sort of spending time on a farm as well. So what was that like?
1: So Jamie had a, I think he was quite a far ahead of a lot of people. Uh, with a lot of things that he does, actually, and one of the things that he thought was super important for us was like, go and see where the the things you're using are being produced, whether that be you know lamb or uh, like the meat products, nice. but also you know the, the the vegetable farms, herbs. We went to visit all of them to see how that process was, and he also took us the to ones that weren't run very well, you know, so you can see the the both, nice. like, the supermarket farm that's doing high production, and this is what we use in the restaurant. So we got to see all of those places one of the funniest ones was the lambing season uh, in in Wales. So we turned up on a coach and um, uh, yeah, we jumped off. It's very early days, you know, so they kind of only had a couple of years of like working out what this process was going to be. So we got off the coach and the farmer is like, ah, like turns up, he's like, breach of birth, come with me. <laughs> and we're like, what? So we all jumped off the coach and it's like, got taken into this barn where there's a, uh, you know, a sheep giving birth and uh, yeah, it was actually, it was amazing. It was pretty shocking because it was just like, whoa, just got it. But um, yeah, he, he, it, it tangled the neck, the umbilical cord. Oh, yeah, so yeah. he managed to untangle it and then it, it it was actually not alive. So he was like blowing like into the mouth like that. And then it, it woke up, but yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy. We actually slept like on hay bales in the, in the barn. Cause there was not... The farmer didn't have
0: lodgings for y'all. <laughs> Yeah, no, but I mean that's that sounds like an amazing, um, I guess, introduction in a way to the culinary world. And then you mentioned that you also had an opportunity to work at restaurants like the Fat Duck and yeah. um, very different, obviously, uh, experience. And then Nobu, which is again a completely different cuisine. But I know that when we first met, and uh, you know, I know that wasn't your first trip to Bombay, but. Our first interaction was when you were um, helming the kitchen of Evelyn's table. Yeah. And, um, you
1: know, how did that sort of transition happen? Well, I guess, yeah, it was quite, it was an interesting process because I think that training that we just went through and talked about, um, it was kind of like a very different way of approaching food. So when I finished off there and I got to experience, you know, at the time was the best restaurant in the world in the top 50. So it was number one and they were doing just, Crazy things! I
0: think peak molecular gastronomy, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it was, yeah. era, and uh, you 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 so you, you went right to the the, the top of the, the food chain in a way, yeah. um, you know, in terms of where it was happening.
1: Yeah, there's some, there's so many funny stories from being there, um, and it, it was a super crazy place. I think I was getting up at so starting work at five a.m. So I started getting up about four thirty a.m. And then I'd finish work about 2.30 a.m. You're
0: kidding. And I
1: was doing that six days a week. So it was it was mad. I'd like, I really pushed the limit of what I could yeah. do as a human being. But some of the things that I learned there, I mean, the thing I say to a lot of guys that I train is like, it's, it's a balance, isn't it? It's like you can put that much effort in, but you're going to reap that much reward. So it's finding the balance in between. I think it's good to push yourself. But yeah, you're right. You don't also want to burn people out if you're making those decisions. Like, one of the things I ended up doing was climbing an oak tree to find oak moss. So he's like, right, this is what oak moss looks like. So me and this American. Going forage. Just Kicking around in the woods, like, climbing up oak trees looking for this moss. Because Eston Blumenthal would come in and say, right, I want you to do this, 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 this. So I I want, you know, so this was like making an acetate to put on your tongue that tasted of oak moss for one particular dish. It was like um, a smoked eel dish. But then there was like four or five other things that he wanted the guys to work on and then he'd go and come back a month later and then you'd like show him you know whatever he'd done so one of the things me and this guy ended up doing was finding the oak moss to to put onto like an acetate and then it was like in a little like um like those mint acetates that were like what the thing
0: you put on your tongue like a like a mouth fresh exactly
1: (laughs) that was one thing and the other one it's quite funny because today i was actually fixing R one in the kitchen. Um, so it's like a little smoking pipe. And at the time it didn't exist. So he sent us to Camden in London, bearing in mind, like the restaurants in Bath, yeah. in the outskirts. So we went to Camden, which is like where people get tattoos done. And, you know, it's all like punk and it's like a music area where Amy Whitehouse was from and all of that sort of stuff. So we were going to all like the smoking shops for people that smoke weed to find the ele- an electric pipe, which we then stuck a... a you know, a pipe onto, and then we were smoking things with oak chips and and mabia. Wow, yeah. And then funnily enough, after that happened, somebody made a product, which we now have in the kitchen. <laughs> of course. Well, Camden's
0: actually where I stayed in my um, first year at uni, and, oh, and I lasted one semester, and then I, <laughs> I was like, I'm going back to Bayswater. It's, it's, it's a, bit <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um but amazing so you know obviously you've got a, a whole sort of bag full of stories and then and then you moved on from there
1: and where did you go next yeah so the, the reason i went back a little bit to that was like it was a very kind of high level of information that i'd been given so at the time i was like like i kind of wanted to get stuck in straight away so i did do i worked for quite a few chefs to kind of build up my knowledge of like very high level food. Um, but I was quite quick to get into being a head chef uh, and I was still quite young. So I, I headed up a couple of restaurants fairly quickly and then that led into traveling around. So yeah, like I ended up in Italy.
0: Well, you also ended up in India. What first impressions of India when you, when you came out here?
1: I think for the first few days, it was just like, whoa, but that's kind of what's nice about it. But
0: you've traveled around a fair bit. I mean, is it really very different from everything else you've seen?
1: Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, it's like there is other countries that have aspects of. So you could say like Bangkok's quite similar to Mumbai in a lot of ways. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think India is very unique uh, in that sense. Like when I say senses, is like it's really loud. Like how many places do you have like horn okay please win on all of yeah. the, the cars? <laughs> you know, so... I think I remember I got off at Goa and they were still building a lot of the road network there. Right. So we came out and we were like stuck behind this lorry full of chickens with Warner, and chickens are all like trying <laughs> to fly in the cages, and it was just, you know, and yeah, everything about it, it was just like, wow, this is exciting. Yeah. I think since I've got here and spent a little bit more time, I'm a bit less naive. <laughs>
0: Haven't been conned as much on the street.
1: (laughs) Everyone was telling me, oh, don't do that. (laughs) And all of this sort of stuff, you know. So every day uh, someone would, uh, you know, approach me, and then the chefs are like, no, no, you can't do that. What what do you mean? So, yeah, I know my way around now. Oh, you've got enough bodyguards around you now. Um, Yeah, it's not a big part, I think. I think actually one of the nicest things about India and Mumbai is that people just come and talk to you. You London is a very, opposite you put (laughs) this you say hello and they're like
0: (laughs) i can vouch for that um so you know we're sitting in mac street kitchen today and you've cooked quite a few meals here um how would you you know this has always been a challenge for me describing the space to someone who's never been and of course you can always show them all the photographs in the world but um how would you as a chef describe this to someone who's never been here
1: so there's a lovely gallery above the cooking space which is where everyone sits and I think that's a really nice touch and what makes the events here work so well because you're kind of in the kitchen you can see everything that's going on but you're also kind of isolated and you've got air conditioning (laughs) it's a good spot to be it's kind of like a chef's table but you're not right up in the table I can remember you explaining it to me as part of the reason that you kind of laid it out was to do with sort of great British menu and Master Chef and this kind of thing. So there's like the different stations and yeah, it's a it's a good size space. Um, so you can kind of spread your things out, have a lot of different sections. And um I think it's it's really interesting because it's like a working area, you know, it's like the bakeries there, they're actually trying to uh make all the croissants and turn all the bread over and yeah, it's it's pretty uh it's a challenge but an interesting one. work in it yeah let's talk a
0: little bit about your cooking style uh you know and i've obviously experienced um you know what you've been doing with us but how would you describe your food
1: in as few words as possible (laughs) And, and so ingredient focused, um and then globally influenced i would say is like the easiest shortest way of putting it so i really really care about produce uh and where it comes from and i'm i have an interest in that and i like to speak to the people that i'm getting that product from and understand it better um so i've always had a good relationship with all of my suppliers in that sense and coming here the first things that i did was i went to the market right i wanted to see what's good here and talk to the people and and and, you know taste things and just have a good overview so this is a really important side of it and then the the globally inspired part is like every country that you go to has got techniques that are fantastic so you know you want to use them and, and and i think that's how food's always been so you know italy has pasta but that was taken from china you really know. yeah through the silk road and marco polo and you know so the pasta was originally Chinese
0: oh my God are you gonna now also piss off a whole country by saying this or oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no I know about Marco Polo I didn't know about pasta not being uh originally Italian
1: yeah so there's one other place that it exists which is Manti which is Turkey but again it's the Silk Road so the Silk Road was where all those different spices and flavors and techniques kind of meandered through into eventually Europe um so that is super interesting to me. And I think that's something that we should continue to do. If somebody has a great technique yeah, uh, or a great philosophy behind food, then, you know, obviously maybe they don't want me to do this. But for me, it's like, yeah, we should use that. You know, take something that, something that works, you should take it and uh, fit it into your ethos, I yeah. think. So that, that's that's that.
0: No, I mean, I've seen that. I know you, you, you're, You. I, I definitely see hints of Japanese uh, cooking styles, you know, you, your chaman mushi and like the, you know, with the seafood that you um uh, incorporate into your food. But um to me, like your favorite, and this is as a complete non-chef and pure eater, um, you know, I think for me, the highlight of your cooking is your pastas for sure. And uh, you know, it's it's not just the usual fare, it's the sort of range that you have. And um and I know that we've incorporated a lot of techniques into our kitchen. I've been talking to you about ingredients and you know whether it's the eggs or the flour and uh you know all of that that contributes to making such a great pasta right so um what would you like if you had to give someone some tips or tricks um into making a great pasta what would what would those be
1: okay um lay it all out chef lay out all your secrets well it's fine because <laughs> it is literally simplicity yeah. so all the pastas that you can think of that are like amazing and that goes for the pasta that was on the menu before i arrived all of, if you think about it is all the simplest ones. so it's kind of just taking that product that's superb and trying to keep that flavor alive source-wise that's so important and then for the italians and for me as well i think uh is the pasta is like the star of the show yeah even though it's kind of the boring bit that doesn't really taste well it's not so though that's the t- It's all the texture it's, it's the way that it, it it holds the sauce. So a lot of the things that we were doing is kind of trying to uh, stop using dried pasta and make our own force-free bronze. And one of the things that production method does is it makes striations on the pasta. So because it's super hot and lots of pressure just pushing the dough through the, the bronze, it kind of ruptures as it comes out. So then when that pasta gets put into sauce, all the sauce sticks to the pasta
0: so it's not like smooth and slipping off it it's kind of
1: like or sticks sticky Uh and then you've got the other little you know tubular shapes or the shells or whichever or cavatelli for example and they have like a little indentation on the inside and the the sauce will go in inside that so there's a lot of it is to do with how does the sauce work with the pasta um so yeah you know like famously the british have spaghetti bolognese not an italian dish at all so this was (laughs) Oh my
0: god! This episode should be called "Breaking All the All the Food Myths." But um, yeah, okay. So
1: the, the British were in. Um...
0: Except bolognese, isn't that from Bologna? Yes, yeah, so it the sauce Okay, is
1: <laughs> kind of a bad version of something that existed already. But the spaghetti. The reason I bring it up is the spaghetti you would never put with ragu, because it doesn't stick to the the pasta. And also, the spaghetti bolognese they put they cook the pasta or week. I say week pasta. It's not how I would do. It. And then they uh, drain it, put some oil so it doesn't stick together, which never would happen. And then they put it in a bowl and it kind of sticks together, right? And <laughs> then you put the sauce on the top. It's just like everything wrong. Oh my God. Everything okay, about it is wrong. So-
0: is that why now actually when you say that it makes sense? Because a lot of the spaghetti dishes that we have are more like with chunky bits of, you know, like tomatoes or whatever. And it's not so much sauce.
1: It's... Well, the sauce, yeah, the sauce, it doesn't look like this sauce. Yeah. It's all stuck to me. Yeah. Yeah. But if it's like lumps of meat, it won't stick. That's basically, yeah.
0: Fun fact, number 300 and something. (laughs) But um, no, that's really interesting. But I know we've also been talking about eggs. You know, the egg yolk seems is is obviously a critical ingredient, you know, besides the flour and uh,
1: water. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah. Um, So once you break down the pasta into its constituent parts, the flower, um, the semolina, and, and most importantly, as you said, the egg, because it's the color. Um, so what I learned when I was on 15 um, visiting different poultry farms um, was that that color comes from the chickens eating flowers and shoots in the morning. So it's it's actually the coloring that's in carrots that turns it orange. So it's carotene uh, or beta carotene. And what happens is if it, in a proper free range chicken, if they the chicken goes out in the morning and eats, flowers and shoots and then lays the egg it will be nice and orange or continually does that it will lay orange eggs and if they tend to prefer staying in the barn and not going anywhere then they'll lay like the the more traditional so a yellow yolk uh, because it's not consistent a lot of people tend to feed the chickens the coloring.
0: No way. Yeah. Wow. Well, so it's fine. And it's probably more expensive to give them yeah. the actual sort of As, food that they should food. be having.
1: Yeah exactly so it's, it's harder to like feed them the right Flowers, because only certain flowers have a, a large enough content, anyway, inside.
0: You were introduced to the concept of pure vegetarianism in yes. uh, in in <laughs> Mumbai, which is uh, vegetarians who, um, or rather, eggless, right? That's actually what vegetarian means yes. here. And yes. uh, we would just like scrap all of that pasta off the menu and. <laughs> come up with the eggless version, but you did a pretty damn good job with that. So, um, you know, I couldn't tell it was, it was any worse off for not having egg in it.
1: Yeah. I don't think it's necessary. I I think you tend to find that the dry pastas are are normally eggless anyway. And there's a few like artisan products that contain egg, but there's, those are better made fresh anyway. So that's like your egg tagliatelle or your tagliarini. So you could dry that and, and it would take a little bit longer to cook. But you have to dry at a very low temperature, like a 60 degrees over a longer period of time. But most of the packets of pasta that you buy, if you look on the ingredients, is durum wheat and water maybe some oil and salt. That's it. So that's what we've ended up doing. We just, instead of buying it from a manufacturer, we just have a smaller version of that machine. And that's the way we got around that well. Well, lots
0: of of eggless uh, work on the menu. Um, I know I've been seeing that, but Tell us what you've been eating while you've been in Bombay. Any favorite eateries, watering holes that you've discovered or um, been frequenting?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think the first time I visited you guys, I got whizzed around so many amazing places, which is I was really fortunate uh, to to get a good, you know, view of the whole city. I was only here for such a short time, and uh, you know, yeah, I, I don't know how I ate that much to be honest. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty mad. Um, so yeah, there's a few things that I love to do. Um, so one of my favorites is going really late, like about 11.30 to Trishna, when it's like MG. the last couple of people <laughs> are just about to leave and just go in and get in.
0: You're that annoying customer when they think they're going to be like closing and ready to like wrap up and get happy and
1: then you walk in. I'm terrible, <laughs> yeah. I think hospitality stuff actually the worst yeah. for that. But yeah, no, they, they stand by my table and just look at me as well. So, you know, it's
0: don't take your time basically
1: you know i i eat that quickly anyway i'm used to like eating over a bin you know like uh whilst trying to get all the work done so yeah that's not a problem so i I love that yeah it's just great product very simple um and you know you get you get the roti and the and, and this fantastic crab and yeah it's just a beautiful thing so i love to do that uh in the daytime. Somebody took me here. Like I obviously didn't discover this myself. And I think a lot of people will know. But Swati Snacks. They, the service is super quick. All the guys are really, really good at their jobs. I love it. Yeah. Food's amazing. Uh, and like, yeah, vegetarian food. It's also
0: where Tim Cook visited on his trip to Bombay. He yeah. went to Swati Snacks. So you've got good taste. <laughs> yeah,
1: I loved it. I love it. And uh, water in holes. So I don't get that far from home uh, normally. But I do love Toto's. It's like the dive bar special it's the
0: OG dive bar
1: yeah, I love uh, Abhishek's place Woodside Inn yep. yeah so I, I love to go there um, they have some decent beers and
0: that's a <laughs> Bombay institution as well so I think yes. you you've nailed all of them for sure um, I think they're everyone's favourite so uh, and I know you're taking Hindi lessons how's that going
1: yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> are you gonna rattle off some Hindi for us
1: <laughs> uh, I, I'm probably a little bit too embarrassed to do that but i'll tell you something about trying to learn it and um so it, it's kind of this app Duolingo, and it does actually help quite a lot because you know now i can hear people saying kidare and
0: uh oh i thought you were going to be like i i can i can tell if they're abusing me oh
1: yeah this as well yeah first thing i learned was swearing but we're not going to go into that because that's how you pronounce properly right um so it does help in the kitchen with little bits and i understand you know like if they say how much or where's this or how many minutes or, you know, all of this basic stuff that we yeah. need for the kitchen. Um, but I'm still a bit too embarrassed to actually try and talk. And when I say something, they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I just said it perfectly. So a lot of it's just Google Translate. Um, but it, it, it is actually a good level. I can read the uh, the Sanskrit kind of letters a bit now. Uh, so I can, when I'm doing the lesson, I can pick out, you know, what is the sound for Ella or, you know, whichever. This was the big bit at the beginning that it was teaching me. And I was listening to it. It's like gah, 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 gah. <laughs> and they're all different. And yeah. I'm like, well, it's the same, you know, yeah. and it's the same for everything. So it's tur <laughs> and I'm like, there's no difference. And people are like, no, no, listen, it's completely different. And I'm like, it's, it's the same.
0: The um, same word could mean something very different. Yes. Just with that nuance. So, so, it's so it's yeah, but no, no, I, I
1: obviously not very good, but
0: well, if you, if, you follow, if you follow Chef on Instagram at Gully Chef, you, you'll see these uh, random updates on how he's doing. So it's time for a quick rapid fire, and Chef, be as honest as you have been throughout. <laughs> okay. London rains or Bombay Samo.
1: <laughs> London rain, I'm afraid.
0: Or oh, panipuri Puri or Bada Pao.
1: Difficult one. I like them both. Probably Vada Palm.
0: Put in one of your menus. Yeah. yeah. Uh, restaurant
1: awards. Yay or nay? <laughs> oh, I think it was such a good thing for the guys that we got in the the list. So I have to say yay.
0: Plant-based meats. Bad fad or here to stay?
1: I think here to stay, but using natural produce.
0: Um. Gluten free, vegan, or Jane? Which is your favourite guest to look for?
1: <laughs> oh, I love cooking for everybody. Oh,
0: you can Come on.
1: <laughs> um, I think it has to be Jane because I don't think anybody knows actually what the rules are, <laughs> including the people that are Jane. Because truffle is definitely under the ground, but truffle is quite often uh, wanted. Yeah.
0: Exception. <laughs> um. Favorite food city in the world? Tokyo. I you need to go. Dying to go there. Oh my god. If one more person says Tokyo to me, I'm getting on a flight. Okay. Um, a bucket list restaurant that you're yet to make it to.
1: Ooh. Can it be one that's closed and I'll never make it? No. Or it could be one of those and then one that's still open. I think one that. I There's many, 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 yeah, but I sure. think one at the moment that I really like the ethos of is front and the original mm-hmm. Fronton.
0: Okay, and which is the one that's closed that you would have liked to?
1: Um, I really would have liked to go to El I
0: knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I think that's on everyone's list. So, um, yeah, well, alas, but uh, well, I hope you make it there. And um, until then, uh, um, enjoy the rest of your dying in Bombay. Yes.